cannot understand anything about God without understanding the wrath of the holy God on sin. You know, why does Christ hang between heaven and earth crying out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because sin is such a repugnant thing before a holy God that a holy God cannot righteously just say your sins don't matter. They had to be paid for. And we need to continually hold out for our kids the fear of the Lord. That's foundational to all of life, isn't it? This weekend on the Songtime broadcast, we're beginning our series, A Proverb a Day in May, as we hear from Dr. Ted Tripp, helping us understand how to find wisdom in the book of Proverbs and how to pass it on to the next generation. He'll also be one of our keynote speakers at the Definitions Conference coming up on Saturday, May 14th, right here on Cape Cod. More information ahead, but first, we're going to be talking with Lydia Brownback about how to find wisdom and how to pursue it in the book of Proverbs as the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. If I told you there is one thing that if you learned it, it would affect every other aspect of your life. It would affect your work life, your home life, your marriage, your parenting, even your friendships, your relationships in your community and in your church. Whatever field you find yourself in, this one key element could change everything in your life. What do you think it is? Well, it's wisdom. This weekend, we're starting our series, A Proverb a Day in May. And for those of you listening on Saturday, say, hey, it's not May yet, but wait a second. You might be listening to this tomorrow. On Sunday, this weekend, we are starting our Proverb a Day in May as a series and encouragement for you to seek wisdom. Our guest this weekend is uh, Lydia Brownback, who's written two great books on the book of Proverbs. One is a study guide from uh, the Knowing the Bible series. The other is called A Woman's Wisdom, how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. Just as I said, it really is the key to everything. But Lydia, wisdom is a subject that we all want. I mean, everyone wants wisdom, but uh, is it really a subject that we need to learn about? Is it something that we need to be taught? I mean, we're all desiring wisdom, but the world, especially the world we're living in today, there's so many conflicting voices. Can wisdom even be found? And how do Christians approach it? How do you consider wisdom and the importance of it within our day and age? Well, I think especially today, more than ever before, when we have, at least in our culture and our society, when everything, wisdom has been turned on its head in terms Mm -hmm. of what it is. And when we're told that love is embracing sin and exalting sin, and you're not loving if you don't do that, that is an absolute reversal of wisdom. And we see uh, as the, as the, as the, um, we call it persecution. We can't really call it that so much in our country, as uh, but we can call it rejection, isolation, canceling, the cancel culture, whatever you know. And, and it, as we are, as Christians, can um, more regularly uh, marginalized for our holding to our convictions. We see the compromises, or or just not even the fear, even so much sometimes as it is. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I maybe it is wise for me to be more loving and more embracing of alternative lifestyles. And and maybe that would please the Lord. I mean, after all, Jesus, you know, embraced um, all kinds of people. And, and that's where the slippery slope starts. And that's why wisdom is so vitally important to recognize that you can love and embrace without compromising vital truth. And, and studying the life of Jesus is, is primarily a, you know, the way to go. Uh, it's, it's Proverbs too. Mm. And we do not compromise. 
That's actually very interesting because we typically think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, to be honest with you, and assume that we would recognize folly if it was calling out for us. But the, the reality is, it is incredibly hard to distinguish folly because our hearts are drawn to it, right? We're prone to it. We want these things to be true. We want the, what is false to be true because we don't want to accept the truth. So we have to actually learn and have a, a, a tool to measure the difference between wisdom and folly so that we don't fall prey to the deceitfulness. It is incredibly deceitful uh, to fall into the traps of the world. Exactly. And I think we also need to have, it's one of the things, wisdom, the fear of the Lord gives us. Uh, the more we know God, the more we're going to understand and know ourselves. And we're going to know where we're weak and where we are vulnerable to believing folly, to following it, what can attract us to it. And it, so it's, sometimes it's not just, you know, oh, my flesh likes that idea. It, it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of, of being canceled. Uh, it's it's uh, just wanting to be liked by our neighbors. And if we if we take a stand for something that they find unloving, unkind, increasingly they do biblical standards to them are hatred um this is where we we need wisdom more than ever before as christians in this country in in the west Mm. absolutely as someone who is uh, written now two books on the subject of proverbs really encouraging people to delve into it uh, what advice do you have for our listeners who have always struggled with the book of Proverbs and, and wanted to know how to, to actually walk away with something that is actually helpful for them as opposed to just uh, reading it and being left in the dark? You know, I would say take some time, doing a, do a topical study and pick the tongue or pick morality or pick um, uh, your time and how you use it. Um, pick a theme and, 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 and study it all through. And prayerfully, see how, ask the Lord to help you apply it to your life. What area might you want to work on here and see how Proverbs addresses it. And I I think that's a big one in general. I think for women, I think about the Proverbs 31 woman and how uh, that she is a scary person um, for people. (laughs) And I'd like to say, you know, she's a poetic figure. She's not a real person. And you think no one could live like that, um, awake and working 24 hours a day. And to understand her at the end here, she is, she is meant to be the epitome of the kind of wife that this young man the father's speaking to should choose. And it, there's not this beating over the head, women, you need to be just like her. Uh, it's to understand her in the context of the book. So that would be an important study, as well as maybe picking some other topics here. I think the tongue is a key one. It talks about gossip and lying and flattery and not just flattering others, but we're susceptible to it. And and it talks about drunkenness and gluttony and self-control. I mean, who among us isn't going to be hammered by something in this book? We've been talking with Lydia Brownback about two books, both on the book of Proverbs. It's One is called A Woman's Wisdom, how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. And the other is a part of the Knowing the Bible Uh, study guide, uh, 12 weeks in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Lydia, it's always a joy to have you with us. Thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom, but most importantly, pointing us to the Word of God and teaching us the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. It's great to talk with you, Adam. Thank you for having me. As a part of our series, A Proverb a Day in May, we want to encourage you to follow along with us in reading a chapter a day. That's not too much to ask, especially when it comes to the book of Proverbs. It's very easy 
All you have to do is look at the calendar, find out what day it is. I mean, everyone's got a calendar. We have one in our smartphones and everyone has a smartphone nowadays. Just look at the date, find out what day it is and read the corresponding chapter in the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs and 31 days in May. So it's a great resource to work through the book of Proverbs to study all of this great wisdom and to help us to internalize the wisdom so that we can pass it on to the next generation. Speaking about the next generation, we are holding a conference in two weeks. On Saturday, May 14th, our keynote speakers will be Dr. Ted Tripp, who's the author of Shepherding a Child's Heart, along with his wife, Margie, who will be talking a little bit about how to reach prodigals. We're also going to have another speaker, Dr. James Manganello, who is a Christian psychologist talking about uh, mental health issues uh, faced by adolescents. This is a really important conference, and it's designed for parents, for grandparents, for teachers, whether in public school or private school or homeschooling, as well as uh, for teachers in Sunday school and uh, those who are teaching in ministries like children's church or or youth group. Whatever we're doing to reach the next generation for Christ, this is a conference for you. But I think this is a subject that affects every single one of us. Whether we have kids or not, we are concerned about how to reach the next generation. And this conference is designed to help us to pass on the wisdom and the knowledge of the gospel to those who come behind us. Today, we're going to be breaking into the book of Proverbs with one of our keynote speakers, Dr. Ted Tripp, as we look at Proverbs chapter 1 in seeking wisdom and passing that on to those who come behind us. Proverbs chapter 1, there are three foundations really for teenagers in this chapter. The first is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The first foundational thing that we need to lay before teenagers, we need to help teenagers get a hold of, is the fear of the Lord. Now, as you know, we live in very perilous times in modern evangelicalism. We've emphasized the eminence of God, but we've lost sight of the transcendence of God, that this God is a holy God, He's a sovereign God, He's a powerful God, He's a glorious God. But we've, we've really made God into a celestial vending machine in modern evangelicalism, where we put in our coins of Bible reading and prayer and we push the button to get what we want. And when we don't get what we want, we kick the machine. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who've come to me and said, I'm mad at God. And even in our churches, those kinds of expressions surface. And we need to help our kids get a hold of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'll just give you a suggestion. You know, about Bible reading. One of the things we encourage our families with. Read the narratives when the children are little. When our children were in that middle age, the debating period, where everything is worth arguing over, we read the, the epistles. Because the epistles are finely reasoned arguments. But when our kids were teens, we read the prophets. What's the message of the prophets? It's judgment, isn't it? It's the severity of God. It's a God who is of pure eyes and to behold iniquity. A God who is willing to even cast His covenant people out of the land of promise and preserve only a remnant. And, and many nights, you know, we would sit around the table at the end of our reading after family worship, having read these scenes of judgment from the prophets, really in a hush before this God. I remember one night, one of our kids said, you know, Dad, instead of having bumper stickers that say, smile, God loves you, we ought to have bumper stickers that say, tremble, God is a consuming fire. 
Because you cannot understand anything about God without understanding the wrath of the Holy God on sin. You know, why does Christ hang between heaven and earth crying out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because sin is such a repugnant thing before a holy God that a holy God cannot righteously just say your sins don't matter. They had to be paid for. And we need to continually hold out for our kids the fear of the Lord. That's foundational to all of life, isn't it? The second element in this passage of Scripture is adherence to parental guidance and instruction. Really, remembering your parents' words. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. We need to help our kids to understand, honey, you have a mom and dad who love you. Teenage years are years when kids become distanced from their parents. And they spend their 20s and 30s trying to become reacquainted. We don't have to have that happen to us. We've prayed for you every day of your life. Your friends for whom you're tempted to do foolish things do not love you like your mom and dad do. They haven't prayed for you every day of your life. Ask them. We love you. We're committed to you. I think a major problem is that parents give up on being a nurturing influence in the lives of teenagers. Parents conclude, my children are going to be more influenced by their friends and their peers than they are by me. And parents quit striving to be an influence in the lives of their teens. Third foundational issue in this passage is disassociation from the wicked. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Now, I'm persuaded the if here is not, should such a strange thing ever happen as the enticement of sinners. Wicked people are going to endeavor to turn your kids on to all manner of wickedness. And we need to help our children to know how to resist that onslaught that is coming at them all the time. We have a culture that is not easily quarantined. Those wicked people that try to turn your children on to wickedness are not old people that are dangerous people that they can watch out for. They're young people like your kids. But I want you to notice something else in this passage. What is the attraction of camaraderie with the wicked? My son, come along with us. Now circle us in your mind's eye. Come along with us. Let us lie in wait for someone's, and wait for someone's blood. Let us waylay some harmless soul. What is the attraction of association with the wicked? It's belonging. We're dealing with teenagers. They feel insecure about themselves. They're wondering if they're marketable, if someone's going to come into the Walmart of life and put them in the basket and take them home. They're apprehensive about the future. They're unstable emotionally and in the world of ideas. They desperately need a place where they belong. They need to be embraced. They need to be welcomed. We need to make our homes places where teenagers belong. There are so many displaced kids in this culture. If you have a home that welcomes teenagers and you've got teenage kids, you will have no shortage of kids. Now, obviously, if we're going to do the things I'm talking about, we're going to have to communicate with our kids. And if I ask you about your communication skills, most of us immediately, instinctively think of our ability to express our ideas with words. And I would like to submit to you that in a biblical vision, the finest art of communication is the ability to understand the other person. The Proverbs speak to that with such poignance. In chapter 18, verse 2, the fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. I had a conversation like that one time with one of my sons. I had gone into his room to talk to him. I had something on my chest that I wanted to get off my chest. And so I, I went in, I talked to him. I wasn't abusive or mean or unkind, but I said what I wanted to say. I said, I'm glad we had a chance to talk together. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to go to bed. A few minutes later, there's this knock on the door. Dad, are you still up? Yeah, come on in. What's up? I said, Dad, I just wanted to say that when you uh, left the room, you said you were glad we had a good talk. And I just wanted to say that I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I said, oh, forgive me. I had a good talk. You had a good listen. Sort of. 
If you'd been going to say something, what would you have said? He said, now this is vintage teenager. He said, I don't know. It doesn't matter now. I just want to say I didn't say anything. There's a subtext here. The subtext is I'm not going to be that easy. If you want to know, you're really going to have to reach out for it. I was a fool that night. I could have said everything I wanted to say in the context of drawing him out. I had things to communicate that were appropriate and necessary, but I was a fool in the way I went about the task. I would have to say many times my kids had had a dad who was unable to sympathize with their weakness. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to do what Christ does for us. I want to understand his struggles so intimately that I can look at the world through his eyes. Then I know how he needs to hear the message of the gospel and grace and the calling of God on him. I was having lunch with someone. They said, you know, this stuff that you're talking about is time consuming. You're right. I'm persuaded we have no more important calling in our lives when we have children at home than to shepherd the hearts of our kids. May God give us grace and wisdom to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to be people who show our kids the glory and goodness of your ways. Oh, Lord, help us to be people who help our teenagers to see the fear of the Lord, the importance of adherence to a parental discipline and wisdom, and the importance of disassociating themselves from wickedness. Grant us grace to be parents who are engaging our kids, who are communicating with them, who understand them. Grant us this, Lord, that we might raise up from our homes a holy seed for your church. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This weekend's Proverb a Day in May starts in chapter 1. Proverbs 1, verse 7 is really the introduction to the book of Proverbs, and it gives us everything that the whole book is talking about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. There we see the contrast of the wise and the fool. The wise is one who is seeking wisdom, seeking knowledge, and to do so understands that it starts with the fear of the Lord. But the fool despises wisdom. It doesn't want to be taught. It doesn't want to find instruction. It wants to go on its own way and figure out its own manner of trying to solve the world's problems. And if you want to learn from anything, look at those who've gone before us and the problems that they've faced. Uh, We're young and naive, and we often think that those who have gone before us made mistakes that we won't make ourselves. But how many times have we said, I'll never do this when we were kids, and then we ended up doing it as adults? A lot of lessons in the book of Proverbs for everyone. But the key note here is that it all begins with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. What does this mean? What is the Bible talking about when it means the fear of the Lord? It means reverence and awe, but it also it means love. The fear of the Lord does not mean that we are frightened by him, but we are afraid of what he might do to us. But it means that we are uh, we are so in awe and raptured by his glory that we have reverence for him, but also love and devotion. What we want to teach the next generation comes from the Shema, to love the Lord, to fear the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and with all of their strength. How do we do that? We do it when we are walking, when we sit down, and when we lie down. What the Shema is teaching us is that it is in every single aspect of our lives, whether we are Uh, standing, walking, sitting, or laying down, we have opportunities to pass this wisdom on to the next generation. Solomon wrote this book, or gathered all of these sayings together, to pass on to his child, 
because he cared. He wanted his child to understand the importance of wisdom. And that is why we're going to be hosting a conference in two weeks. On Saturday, May 14th, Dr. Ted Tripp, along with his wife Margie, will be our keynote speakers talking about shepherding a child's heart. We're also going to hear from James Manganello, who is a Christian psychologist talking about mental health issues that are being uh, that are that our children are facing, adolescents are facing, especially over the past couple of years. Key issues here that I think are very important, prominent, and I don't think you need to be reminded just how dangerous the world is for children, especially with things in the news. We won't even mention them. You already know what they are. The truth is, we need to be careful and conscientious about how we communicate the gospel to those who come behind us. And that's why this conference coming up on Saturday, May 14th is for you, for anyone and everyone who is concerned about the next generation and how to teach them and articulate to them the gospel that we love. If you want to find out more information and register, you can head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call 508-362-7070. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing, if you believe that we need to be reaching the next generation for Christ, consider supporting the ministry of Songtime and our future endeavors by writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or again, give us a call, 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, where you can make a safe and secure donation online. And be sure to follow us on social media so you can see these events and share them with your friends and loved ones to invite them to come to our future conferences. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.